The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thank you for tuning in another edition of the Rippey Rights Podcast. It is our Sunday SEC baseball conversation with Colin Brister as the Rebels were swept by LSU to fall to 3-15. and 15. Talked a little bit about the weekend, but a lot of big picture stuff. What this means, this uh, disastrous 2023 regular season means for the program, what kind of needs to happen next. So not a ton uh, of reliving what you guys already watched, but more so some bigger picture conversation as we kind of put a bow on uh, the end of uh, what is now a pretty meaningless regular season. So um, a lot of interesting storylines despite it, I think. So buckle up. Think you'll enjoy the conversation. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you, the podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Major Interval and Advanced Modeling Mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Football season's around the corner. Go ahead and join Skybox. They're going to make you money. If you're into wagering, it's the only way to profit in the long run. They go off data. And numbers, not just what's in your own head 10 minutes before kickoff. Skybox NASCAR is crushing it right now. Football will be around the corner before you know it. You need to check them out. If you go on their site, type in skyboxsportspicks.com. Use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, for 20% off any picks package you buy. You can try it for a day, a week, a month, whatever the case may be. It's the best sports handicapping service in the world. I will guarantee you if you use it this upcoming football season, you will profit Go ahead and build up your bankroll by following the guys at Skybox NASCAR. They're making money on a weekly basis. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. Get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats. Right now, it's three six-ounce bacon-wrapped fillets for 20 bucks. It's about a $40 valuation for 20 bucks there. All you got to do is go in, show Greg you subscribe. He'll get you set up. Then go find all your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. Oxford is so lucky to have a place like LB's. The weather's awesome. It's prime grilling season. Go in and find something awesome to throw on the grill. Greg wants to make your grilling experience great. Check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here's Colin Brister and just a quick... uh, a quick aside, we recorded this on Sunday afternoon. We talked a little bit about the Morgan Wallen show. We did not know, of course, at the time that that show did not happen. Um, I don't really have any Morgan Wallen takes other than sounds like an Advil and a water and a uh, early cab ride home. Mike could have uh, 
uh, changed things. I don't know. But point being is we didn't just have like our heads up our asses. We were, uh, we were just, it had not happened yet. So that's why, but it doesn't really change much the conversation. Anyway, here's Colin Brister. All right. We now welcome on repeat rights, baseball correspondent, Colin Brister broadcasting live from the Morgan Wallen show. Um, hopefully no background noise. No, not really, but it seems like everyone else is in town for the Morgan Wallen show. We'll discuss the rebels getting swept to fall to a, a putrid three and 15 on the year. Um, and what was a very busy weekend in Oxford, man, I got to tell you, I knew a bunch of people would come in town for this concert. I didn't go to it, but uh, it was probably even beyond my expectation. This felt like a very, very packed, big SEC football weekend. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the town's a buzzing. Um, not not because of Ole Miss baseball, but no, uh, it is not that confirmed. Yeah. But because the guy that, that sings country music. So um, at least everybody's having a you know what? Um, if you're not going to host a regional, uh, might as well have everybody here for something. So, uh, you know, that works. Isn't double decker next weekend? Is that next weekend? Yeah. So you'll have back to back weekends. Like yeah. this. I will actually be out of town for that one, but, uh, yeah, it'll be back to back huge weekends. I mean, this felt like double decker, same type of, like same type of feel on the square in terms of the crowds and stuff. I'm not sure the exact same, uh, type of people per se, but like <laughs> it was a bunch of people and it'd be back to back weekends. Yeah, so uh, good for the town uh, because the uh, the town's not going to be hosting a baseball regional and won't get that crowd. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was as bad as it gets, right? Um, just just kind of get dominated on Friday and Saturday, and then you're one strike away on Sunday from salvaging a game. Um, and you know, here's the thing: it, they salvaged the game on Sunday, and they go they're four and fourteen. I know, like the 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 initial frustration sucks, but it doesn't change anything. They were going to be four and fourteen. Um, you know. That there still was pretty much impossible to get to the NCAA tournament. If we're talking about winning 14 games, that was a, that would have been a 10 and two record. Now I understand, like you know, it would have been a lot easier. Uh, well, it would have been easier, you know, to go ahead and win that game. But the reality is that 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 it's probably, um, and I'm not even sure I want to say probably anymore. It's too late for Ole Miss to to make any sort of run at this point. Oh yeah, I mean you need them to go what? <laughs> okay, I, I will. Say, I want to preface it. Just eleven and one is all you need. Well, I, I do want to preface this. Um, so I, I listened to to D one baseball podcast, I believe, and and they were talking about the the way things have shaped out this year. You really only need to get to twelve or thirteen wins to give yourselves a shot going into Hoover because the bubble is so bad. But the reality is, Ole Miss isn't probably going to get close to that number at this point. Yeah, and Richard brought that up. I had him on the show on uh, Friday, and he was like, you know, I mean, he's like, they're not, he's like, this is not great, but they're not dead. All you got to do is find a way to uh, go nine and whatever it was down the I guess that would have been nine and three. I don't know. I don't feel like doing yeah. that. But basically get it to been nine and six. Wins. Now it's nine and three. Yeah, that, exactly. To go down the stretch, or I think he was basically saying 10 and five because they were uh yeah still at three wins at the time but you get the point like they just i was like oh that doesn't seem likely in its own right and then now after a sweep you can officially there's another nail to be put in the coffin to make sure that thing doesn't open back up um i guess that's what that was this weekend but like as you mentioned it was really when we started kind of shifting the conversation from realistic to pipe dream i would feel like after really kind of after the arkansas weekend and uh it hasn't gotten any better since i mean hell they're through six sec weekends and have yet to win a series and I felt like the Sunday game really just kind of encapsulated all that's wrong with this team. They struggled a little bit offensively early on, then kind of found it a little bit late. Then they take a lead, and they have their best guy in there, the guy that they, they trust the most to get those outs, Mitch Morrell. He gets two pretty seamless outs, a couple free passes, a strike away, three-run shot, 7-6. 
And then even going to the bottom of the inning, yeah. you get a double from Calvin Harris, and Utermark was what? No, that was Leger, excuse me. Leger was like, smokes a ball. I know, like four feet from walking the game off. And it's like you said, it was just have been a uh, – it would have just been a – at this point, might not be the perfect term, but like a feel-good win. It's like, hey, yeah. you came back, you rallied, you played decently well, and you finally won a game, uh, you know, which they hadn't done in SEC play since the Friday of the State Series. So you'd have felt better about yourselves, I imagine, if you were the team. Um, but instead, they were handed a pretty stinging defeat. I mean, look, this is all just formalities and playing out the string at this point. But in terms of kind of back-breaking losses this year, that's got to hit the top three in terms of just that stinging after the game because they were, like you said, they were a strike away. Yeah, yeah, no, that one, that one's tough. Um, you, you, you know, A and M obviously on that Sunday where you could have won the series and you give up the walk off home run comes comes to mind as well. But yeah, that one, that one's tough. So, um, you know, look, they're three and fifteen in the SEC. I mean, you're you're frankly, I, you know, you're getting to a point where it's an uphill battle to get to Hoover. Um, and I think, look, if you're looking for goals, that that has to be your goal, right? Like, go get into Hoover and, and get some guys some experience in that setting. You're you're not deep enough on the mound, I wouldn't think, to be able to win at Hoover. Um, but you know, you maybe you can win on Tuesday and then stay around for a little while. But yeah, I mean, look, that this what a statement that is. That hey, you know, 18 games into the SEC season, your goal needs to be to get to Hoover. Um, but but that's just kind of the reality that almost faces at this point. Yeah, it, it it is. And I thought Friday went pretty pretty predictably, particularly when it became apparent that one Hunter Elliott uh, and nor Jack Doherty were going to pitch on that. I guess we can talk about that piece of it. Not that it really matters, but what did you make of them going Revis, Elliott, TBA? Like, what do you – I it kind of made sense to me, one, particularly if you needed Elliott to come back on Saturday. Like, do you think that was a, hey, we don't want to bring him back against Skeens type of thing? Best yeah, way that's what I would game? Like, what, what did you make of that? Yeah, that's what I think. Is look, I mean, Hunter Elliott's the ultimate competitor. You put him out there against Paul Skeens, and it's like, hey, you got to go be the Friday night dude. So I, I certainly um, agreed with that. Um, you know, and then Elliott obviously has the tough outing on Saturday. Where I, look, you, I went and watched for the sake of the show um, because I was in Alabama at a wedding all weekend. Um, I went and watched his one plus inning before we got on here. He didn't look like himself to me. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but the changeup looked telegraphed. Um, the breaking ball wasn't overly sharp, and I obviously understand that you know he hasn't pitched in two months, and I'm not holding him to the standard that he was when he threw against Delaware or certainly last year in the College World Series. But it, for whatever reason, just did not look like himself. So I've I've caught I've caught part of it on TV and part of it at the stadium, and. Um, I thought for the most part, like he looked like healthy. I just thought he looked sure. rusty. I didn't think something was physically wrong with him, but it looked like a guy that had not pitched in game action in a while. Like, is that kind of yeah. what you're alluding to? I just thought he yeah. felt let he was rusty, but not that something was physically wrong with him. He just looked like a guy that had not pitched in game action in a long time. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of what I'm alluding to. The the changeup to me looked a little telegraphed, like they knew it was coming. I think that's the pitch that Cruz hit out in the first inning. Yes. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't think he's unhealthy for sure. I think he, I think he's good to pitch. It just looked like, you know, that a guy that hadn't pitched in two months and, you know, it's Elliot's different, right? Um, you know, if we're talking about a guy that's 93 to 95, right? Um, you know, maybe those mistakes aren't, aren't, um, as magnified. But when you're talking about a guy that pitches at 88 to 90, when that guy is a little bit rusty, it's a little bit easier to hit out of the ballpark and make solid contact. 
Um, so no, I, I think Hunter Elliott's perfectly fine from a physical standpoint, but it just didn't look like himself. Um, well, well, what we're accustomed to seeing him when he takes the mound. Obviously, you know, the the more he pitches um, over the next few weeks, you hope that 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 he he starts to look like that again. Yeah, and I think he'll probably round back into form. I just I didn't know I didn't know what to expect, and I didn't wasn't I can't say I was overly surprised by the result. Now, the, in fairness, as you mentioned, the tele, uh, the changeup look, telegraph fastball looked a little bit flat, but at least the velocity seemed okay. Now, it is worth pointing out, the guy that got him twice and drove in all six of the runs, he's pretty good. Yeah, he is, no doubt. No <laughs> Dylan doubt. Cruz he's makes right. some money. I don't think they made it as tough on him as they could, and that's a tough assignment to come back, particularly when you face that lineup and Cruz twice um, in two yeah. innings. But I'll be kind of curious to see what they do with him down the stretch. I mean, clearly – I don't think they have any has I don't think they have any reservations about him from a physical standpoint if he came back and pitched in the first place. So I guess these next couple starts, if he has them, is just kind of hey, what does he look like? How has he progressed? Because you remember this guy has his true freshman season in one start. Kind of how has he evolved as a pitcher going into his draft year? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, and I'm not sure if he even pitched this fall. Uh, you may know that. I'm I'm not totally sure. So I can't um, remember off the top of my head, but I want to lean, I lean no. Yeah. So just, you know, I, I don't think he threw much if he did. Um, yeah. No, they, they they need to get the kid back on the mound because, you know, like you said, I mean, you can't really just take a year off if you're, unless, you know, obviously you're going to have surgery and do those types of things. But uh, it appears that, that that's not the option they're going to go with. And, um, you know, so so he has to pitch and get back on the mound and get comfortable because Ole Miss is certainly going to need him um, and his ability in 2024 if they're going to be any good. Um, and quite frankly, they need to be good in 2024 after this. This is I will say this um, as an Ole Miss fan, like like this is miserable. I don't get how people do this year after year, have bad teams year after year because th- this this is this is miserable. This is a disaster. Yeah, this is this is measurable. I mean, it is. I mean, they're three and fifteen. They have not won a series. They've been swept. What? That's three times. I believe yeah. their home record in SEC games. I think Chase had this going back after today, going back to the beginning of the twenty twenty two season. I know you're just talking about this year, but I believe their home record in SEC games is six and eighteen. Oof. So bad. That is horrendous. Do you know how toxic this would be had they not lost? done what they did last year? No, I, I'm just talking about like if they didn't. Let's just say that they didn't advance the national title series. Let's say that Dylan Delush is not Superman, and they lose that game three to two or whatever. It would be so toxic. Oh, God. yeah, because you don't. I mean, the whole the only thing that is somewhat kind of. Uh, I don't not even know the right description here. I was about to say something stupid, but the only thing like uh like the the kind of painkiller for this wound is the fact that you walked off the field with the trophy last year, right? It's not even the yeah, only thing. That is the <laughs> no. only thing that is keeping this remotely palatable at this point. Yeah, no, I I've seen it. Um so you know, you get you get a grace period. Um I don't know if you get two. So um yeah, and I think we're at that part of the year where it's like, hey, you know, how does this get fixed next year? Because um, it's not getting fixed this year. They're not good enough. Last year's team, and we've said this at nauseum, last year's team was always good enough. 
this one's not. This one is not talented enough. This one, this team is not good enough. And and there's you know a plethora of different reasons as to why that's the case. But um, the reality is they just are. And I've said this over and over and over. They just aren't good enough. No, they just they aren't. Like this year makes a little sense, but it it shouldn't be this bad. I mean, we talked no. about this right before we started recording. They should be bad, but they should not be this bad. They should be six and twelve or seven and eleven. Yes. And instead, you're at three and fifteen. I mean, how, how do you contextualize this? Juxtapose last year. This is the most like this is the most in, incredulous two year stretch of the Mike Bianco era, perhaps we've ever seen. Because for years it was he does not suck at all in the regular season. They're always good. They've always got a chance, but the postseason success hasn't been there. Then they had a wildly terrible first nine weekends of the SEC regular season last year. Then they get super duper hot. They win the whole thing, and then they kind of they've stunk again. For uh, what is that? That is now, I say nine weekends. I meant six weekends, and now they've done it again through six weekends of SEC play. Like, how, how do you contextualize this? I, I get the two years. Like, I'm not asking for like a correlation between the two, but how do you put this into context with two pretty disastrous regular seasons with the national title sandwiched in between? Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, you know, I I don't. You know, I, I asked. I, th- I think I asked before. You know, like, is there a worry that? You know, you've had two pretty pathetic regular seasons in a row. Um, and I don't think that's that word's unfair. Um, I, th- I think anybody at Ole Miss last year would call, you know, the regular season extremely underwhelming. You know, this is a program that, that has a ton of pride to go 14 and 16 is not where you want to be. Um, and then this year, to I don't, I just, I don't see 10 wins for this team. Um, so we're talking, you know, nine and 21, eight and 22, unless they get on, you know, some kind of run here. Um, you know, so yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate unless you know Mike's planning on one upping himself and being like, hey, you know what, we'll just uh, we'll sneak in Hoover and just go win that thing, and then we'll get back in the postseason. Maybe maybe he's trying to outdo himself. Um, so I don't know. I I, I don't think that's the plan. Yeah, I, I, I think, you think the plan was to get to seven and fourteen again? It was like they got them right where they want them. Yeah, the problem is that's mathematically impossible now. Yeah, it is. No, but that, they, they, this was the first weekend they just misexecuted the plan, right? Everything else went exactly according to plan before that. The goal is to get yeah. to seven and fourteen, but I, I just I don't know what to make of it. Um, because again, if you let's just say for the I mean, was we keep going in hypotheticals here, but let's just say they got knocked out in. I mean, my God, what if, what would you do if they had gotten out, knocked out in Hattiesburg last year? He's probably oh, back, uh, but, yeah. The the, the conversation is easy at that point. Okay, that's fair. Let's go back to just your hypothetical. They make it to Omaha, they don't win the whole thing, and then it goes badly this year. Like, do you do you feel like people would be questioning more about has he lost a handle on his program, or is these just two very uncharacteristic years? You know what I mean? Uh, I think at that point we're maybe having a different conversation um, because again, you know, but the, they dogpiled in Omaha. You know how much how much you know capital does that buy you? And obviously the answer is a ton. Um, I just look, I. I think Mike Bianco is an excellent baseball coach. I think they've had two tough years in the regular season for two different reasons. Um, I think it's something probably to monitor next year and hope that that, that it's not the case. Um, and, and quite frankly, I think that they need to host a regional next year. Um, I think that that needs to be something that uh, that happens. And, you know, I, I don't know. The, the reality is this year, I don't think it's any more complicated than they're not good enough. Um 
you know, they, they've got some talented players. Kemp Alderman's really good. Gonzo's really good. Harris is really good. And then, you know, Groff has had a good year. Clark has been fine. But, man, like, for the most part, and I know Udermark had the home run today, but six through nine just feels like automatic outs right now. Um, and and Leger's done some good things. I understand that. But, you know, for the most part, it, especially seven through nine, it just feels like automatic outs right now. And then, obviously – um, the pitching staff blows up again this weekend. Um, just not good enough. Just I, I don't think – and I don't mean this mean. I don't think they have good enough players right now. I don't think they do either. And injuries aside, you know, we talk about they're 3-15. and 15. If you had Josh Mallett and you had Riley Maddox, what are you probably six well, and 12, seven, had eleven? Josh and, and, and Riley, I think, you know, uh, I think this is maybe a eight and 10, nine and 9 team. But now here, here's the question. Does this offense perform better knowing that they have guys that, that can that can pitch you out of jams and, and hold teams down? Is the offense better? So it may be a chicken and egg conversation. I don't know the answer to that question. I, certainly they're an NCAA tournament team at that point. Um, but, you know, it's it's just been a string of bad luck. And, and because of that bad luck, they're not good enough at, at a you know, plethora of different positions. What do you make of the home record being so bad the last two years? Nothing. I, and and I don't they they so it's just kind of one of those things they had been people forget this they had been absurd at home before you know this this bad record and I kind of think things maybe just averaging out uh, because it's not like they've been good on the road either you know so it's just that that they're not been very good baseball team in the in the past two years in the regular season. You ready for a random? I'm just bouncing around here. You ready for a like, kind of shockingly rough stat? Sure. Well, I guess it's actually not that surprising. Ole Miss has one save in conference play. Yeah, well, you only win three games. That kind of happens, and 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 there's I, not you that know, many opportunities. Yeah, well, and I, I just, you joke you joke about that. I I do think there is something to the fact that this team doesn't win close games. Like they, they, they you know, look at today. Um, bad teams don't win close games. So you know, they, if they're going to win, they kind of got to beat the crap out of people. Yeah, and that just the offense has not good, been good enough for that to happen. But you mentioned the chicken and the egg part of like, well, would this offense be better? Like, would this offense perform better if they knew they had guys to kind of get, pitch them out of jams and get shut down innings? And that's a fair question to some degree. But if you look at the numbers, particularly since conference play has started, um, Ole Miss has not actually been a horrendous pitching staff. Um, they're a bottom third, you know, they're probably the, t- I mean, if you look at all the cumulative statistics, they've started actually walking significantly fewer people once conference play. They're actually in the top half of the league in that regard at this point, right there in the middle at 81 walks, but they're probably the 10th, 9th, 10th best pitching staff. If you just kind of look at a cumulative of all the numbers. So while I do agree that that's a fair question to some degree, but I just don't think the offense has been good enough in general because it's not like the pitching staff has just been abhorrent and not given them a chance the whole time. I mean, we you had that stat last weekend about how the the what is they scored they've averaged like three and a half games runs per game in game threes. Like there's yeah, just no, some I'm, elements that pitching injuries aside from this offense have just not cut it at all. Yeah, no, the the offense has not been good enough. There's no doubt. Um, I don't. If if wow, if they're a, but now I will say offense obviously significantly significantly up throughout the country. But I just pulled up there; they have a six point seven five ERA in SEC play. If they're just like if they're a fourteen worse than them, the SEC's got to pitch better. Good God! Um, but no, the the offense hasn't been good enough, and and you know that's it's certainly 
um, worth wondering, you know, if they would have performed differently um, with those three guys. It's look, it's just kind of, it's just kind of crap. You know, if you ever rooted for a, a major league baseball team that's out of contention by June, this is exactly what it is. Um, you're just kind of watching, but, and I, I feel like maybe this is just me because I've never experienced it, you know, genuinely, you know, I've, I've, I've rooted for Ole Miss baseball my entire life. Um, well, up until, you know, I started, you know, caring about sports, which was about the time Mike Bianco came in and there was no, there's never been a season like this when, you know, they played their last regular season series. It was always, Hey, like it, you know, this is what they need to do to make the tournament. Man, when they go play Alabama and Tuscaloosa in, in three weeks, it's not going to be any like, Hey, this is what they need to do to make the tournament. It's going to be, maybe they can make Hoover. Um, you know, so people, I guess what I'm saying is people just don't really know how to react because everybody that's always watched the Ole Miss games uh, because the Ole Miss games are on are still watching the Ole Miss games because the Ole Miss games are on, but there's just not really anything to cheer for at this point. And I felt like you started to get the first real taste of that this weekend. You know what I mean? Like it just, I mean, you knew they were probably losing to Skeens on Friday night, but it's a huge weekend. It's the second to last weekend in April. LSU comes in town. You got the concert, and now there's a bunch of people in town. But the baseball game just kind of felt like an afterthought because there was really nothing to play for. I mean, look, I guess in some crazy – I don't think any realistic person that entered that stadium this weekend was like, well, maybe if they sweep them, they're back into it. But point being, they've already reached that point where it just kind of felt like meaningless baseball, to be completely honest. Um and that was a very weird thing. That's something you have not really experienced in the Mike Bianco area because, to your point, pretty much every year, even the few years they've missed the NCAA tournament, they've been in the mix toward the end, uh, you know, going into Hoover, here's what they need to do. And that's just not going to be the case. But I felt like what you're alluding to there, you really got the first taste of that this weekend. I mean, did I don't know, was Ole Miss baseball appointment viewing for you this weekend by any stretch of the imagination? If I'm to be completely honest, I watched the eighth and ninth inning on Sunday. Um, now, some of that is I was in and out of wedding um, in, in in Alabama and didn't really have time to to watch. We drove up on Friday night, so didn't watch it then, obviously. And then Saturday um, had the wedding all day, and then today we drove back, so um, didn't really didn't really have an opportunity to to watch. I listened to some of it and followed it on stat broadcast. So appointment viewing, no. Um, now. It, I, I guess in complete fairness, Ole Miss could have been, you know, 15 and oh going into this weekend. I probably still don't have the opportunity to watch much. But, you know, next weekend, they I, I will say this next weekend, they um, play Georgia on, on Tuesday and Friday, or excuse me, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I believe that series is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, we've got games Tuesday and Friday for sure. Maybe a game on Saturday, hopefully not. Um, but on Saturday and Sunday, I don't, I don't foresee myself going to Oxford. I might watch some of the games, and it, you know, it, it's kind of to the point where, you know, you're, it's like, what are we wasting three hours on at this point? Um, it's, uh, it, you know, at this time last year, they were still mathematically within rel- within reach of making the tournament. Uh, whereas, you know, like, you know, this year, I don't, I don't know how anybody can convince themselves that this team is going to go what ten and two to have a outside puncher's chance um so you know it's kind of it's kind of to the point where like hey what are, what are we wasting three hours on every day yeah you're exactly right and we it hit the the brink of that last year and i know we talked about this multiple times on the podcast but not to be too repetitive that missouri series was like oh what do you like remember we were asking ourselves if i remember correctly from that pre-show pod or pre-series probably did that last year it's like what's the crowd gonna be like like are there gonna be people there kind of if i remember correctly it was a little bit of a weird weather weekend 
Like yeah, it was graduation they, weekend saved it a little bit. It damn it was. Yeah, because my yeah, I guess it was. Up. That's crazy. Yeah. It saved a little bit, and then um, then they sweep them, and now you're all of a sudden just back in the mix, and then you have the the what as they had the Tuesday night game against Southern Miss, and then they do and that they sweep LSU. Yeah, and then you know, eight days later, it's like, well, what were we talking about this being meaningless baseball? But now they're so far in the hole, it's like I definitely the well, rest of. I this. mean, here's reality: they could sweep Georgia and Missouri, be nine and fifteen, and you're still like, they. I don't think this is gonna happen. That that that's where you are, Julie. They'd go six and over the next two weeks, and I would still be like, they're probably not making the tournament. It probably doesn't matter. Yeah, it, it it exactly. And that's I don't know. It's just a uh it's a crazy place to be because again, it's just it's not something they've been accustomed to. So I, one random note, again, I'm just really bouncing around, honestly grasping at straws for you know somewhat important baseball content at this point. Um, I was watching the game today and I was at the game on Saturday, so I wasn't watching the TV broadcast, and then I met my parents on the square for the Friday game that we never actually ended up going to because of the weather. And so I was watching the game, but didn't have the luxury of the broadcast. Jack Doherty didn't pitch all weekend. And then Richard Cross and whoever his partner was today, I just forget the guy's name, said that Jack Doherty was not available today. Um, unofficially, they said it was unofficial, but that they were hearing that Jack Doherty's unavailable. That what in God's name, like what would you make of that? I, I didn't notice anything. Um I don't know. I I, I don't know if it's it, it, you know, I hadn't heard injuries or whatnot. Uh, so, so I don't really know. It's, it's, I don't know. I thought that was strange. And I, now at the, like in hindsight, I, once I heard that, I wonder if that played into the decision to, uh, like to go, what was that? Revis, uh, Elliot TBA versus, I don't know. I don't know. Just something to keep an eye on because like, again, it's all kind of, uh, it's all kind of meaningless at this point, but you figured, Hey, you get Elliot back. That brings you another bullpen arm that you would at least trust to get out to the back end. But apparently he was not available this weekend. So I don't know, just something I noticed on the broadcast and he did not come in to pitch today. I mean, look, he had not pitched all weekend. Morell's in there. He gets the first two outs of these. He get, puts the two guys on. If Doherty's available, do you think there's any shot they ditch Morell at that point and go to Doherty, or do you think they like Oh, yeah, yeah. Doherty would have been in, I think, especially in the ninth inning. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, he probably starts the inning, uh, and if nothing else, at least when you get the two walks, it was clear that Morell didn't have it, but because Doherty wasn't available, it was just like, all right, I guess you live and die by them. Uh, all that aside, Ole Miss's struggles aside, LSU's got a pretty damn good team. I know they have injuries and whatnot, but, man, that lineup is impressive. Yo, no, they're a stud, man. They're a stud. Like I, between Cruz and Tommy White, and this—I mean, it one. I mean, it felt like their eight-hole hitter was a real threat too. I mean, what a luxury that Ole Miss doesn't have at that point. Like it's just they—they they yeah, have incredible Yeah, it's one through nine. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was really really good. There ain't no doubt about that. Sore shoulder as I get an update in real time from. Uh, from Jack Doherty and that uh, Mike didn't really offer specifics about it after the game. Man, talk about when it rains, it pours, man. Yeah. I, I So Mike wouldn't speak on it after the game? Uh, I just asked Chase what was up, and I'm, I'm reading our conversation in real time here, but he said sore shoulder and said Mike was kind of weird about it after the game, said he's rehabbing it, but wouldn't really offer anything else. Huh. Well, that's, yeah. That's uh... What does sore shoulder indicate? 
uh, well, to me, to me, that indicates you if they're three and fifteen in the SEC, he doesn't need to throw again. Oh, that's that's fair. Anything like medically that indicates? I know we talk about like the tight forearm. Oh, um, like you don't want soreness in the shoulder as much. The bicep and and maybe you know up the arm a little bit. Okay, but but when we start talking about shoulders being hurt. That 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 that's alarming. Yeah, that uh, that that certainly is alarming. So anyway, I don't know. I don't have much else to pick from this series. Um, JT Quinn, I mean, he got through four innings again, but he threw 108 pitches, got kind of banged around. Revis did as well as he could. I don't know. There isn't much else to cover other than the fact that I was looking at the statistics for there were about two hours post game, post the series finale recording, and Ole Miss didn't have the end of the uh like sec statistics updated through this game but uh i don't know i was gonna do our annual weekend my god the lot the bottom of this lineup is pretty rough again let's see if they've updated them at this point um yep now they're now through 18 games uh peyton shot and yay they are now through six weekends of sec played my man's got six hits yeah uh, it's not good they did he, find they did bench mccants they did and mccants has Played in 18 games. Now, granted, he only got the one at bat today. 16 starts. He's only got eight hits. I mean, that's two guys in your lineup, two returning guys that kind of count when you would do the whole stat of, well, they do return six guys from the lineup. 14 hits out of those two slots, and they've been starters for basically every single point SEC play. I mean, that's really what's wrong with this lineup because if you look at the way the numbers shook out, yeah, yes, there have been some kind of up and down with Calarco and Leger has been honestly pretty damn good for the last three or four weeks or so, but that's really what's kind of preventing them from being a good lineup is those bottom two slots and DH. They just, I mean, those are like, like you said, they just feel like automatic outs at this point. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. And I don't mean this mean to the kid, but TJ McCants came up at the end of the game. Did anybody think he was getting a hit? Nope. No, and I don't mean that mean to the kid because the kid had one of the biggest swings in almost history last year. Uh, but it's just kind of been one of those years, unfortunately, for him. And it's like the ultimate, like, you know, I, I keep saying when it rains, it pours. But, you know, he the reason he was up to bat in the bottom of that inning was because he pinched ran for Calarco. Yeah. And well, I got, I understood that one. No, You're I got the- it too. It's just like you know, tough luck. Like I don't think you ever. I don't think Mike was intending on them having to have that. I think he was trying to go win the game in the eighth and close it out in the ninth. Clearly, like I don't think you could have been thinking ahead. But like once that does happen, it's like, geez, we cannot catch a break. Um, couple random notes I had from the weekend. Uh, one, LSU has a very short coaching staff. The first base is the largest pudgy guy, but the rest of their staff, uh, just a bunch of little dudes. What what do you what's up with that? Um yeah. Uh Jay Johnson, not very tall. Uh Wes Johnson, really good pitching coach, not a uh, not a big height guy. Uh, yeah. I could uh, probably get a gig on that staff. They could see me in the stands, but we need that kid. <laughs> you fit in. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're just going off height. None of us can ride <laughs> roller coasters, but we could spend that extra time, you know, crunching numbers and film and such. Um, what else we got? Another random note. Oh, I have a good one for you. This one is backed up in a heap of statistics. You ready for this? Yes, sure. This 2023 Ole Miss team leads all baseball teams in of all time in innings where you say, wow, there's multiple runners on base and a ball hasn't left the infield. How did this happen? <laughs> I swear to God, dude, we were talking. I, there was a guy sitting behind me on Saturday that I, I think it was the 
sixth or seventh inning where Ole Miss had finally answered with the Kemp Alderman home run. I think LSU added another run after that. But LSU got two dudes on, and then they scored a run after I think on a single or something like that. And that was the the, the single was the first ball that left the infield. This team, for whatever reason, as a innate sense of allowing multiple men on base via walks, hit by pitches, infield singles, errors, tweeners. I mean, I, I can't I can't tell you the amount of times I looked up this year and was like, wow, bases loaded, two on, no out. Like, wait a minute, they haven't had a ball hit the outfield yet. It's just it's unbelievable to me. There's no way I'm the only person that's noticed that. No, no, that's a, that's a good point. It's a good point. Um, I, uh, ooh, here, here we go. Somebody asked me this hypothetical after the game. How many, um, how many Ole Miss teams could this team? So, how, like, if this team played a super regional against every Ole Miss team that Mike Bianco had, how many times or how many teams uh, does this team get to a game three? With or without Hunter Elliott. With Hunter, or let's go. They haven't had them all year. Let's go without. Oh, I'm gonna say zero. Zero. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, seventeen and eleven and three are the years they missed the tournament. Uh, seventeen. I don't. Seventeen was better than them. A lot better than them. They were Obviously. way better. Yeah, yeah. Eleven. I don't. That that team was fine. Um, and then I don't really remember three. Um, yeah. This 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 team would get wrecked by pretty much every other team they've had here. Obviously, you look at the records, but somebody asked, how many times would they win a game uh, against uh, one of Mike's former teams? I probably was a little bit harsh in answering that. Is I was in my mind, even though you said how often do they get to a game three, my mind went to how often do they win like the like a series, and that definitely is zero. They'd get to a game three with the decent start between Doherty or Rivas against one of them. So I'll go one and a half. That'd be my over under on that. <laughs> one time in 23 years. One and a half. Yeah. I mean, what <laughs> what other teams? I mean, the rest of the years, the guys have been pretty good. And most times they've at least had a Friday, dude. So you're already down 0-1. And then you're putting, I guess, a lot of stock into, I guess that'd be Xavier Rivas to give them a chance. And uh, the offense isn't exactly backed up Mr. Rivas this year. I mean, how often would you say it, it would happen? Uh... Uh, the 15 team wasn't very good. So I'm going to include that in a group they may could get a game against. So that's four teams. I think they, they were not going, they would not win a game in 12 or 13 against a uh, wall or Myers. So three, 11, 15 and 17. I'm going to go once I'm going to go. They win one game out of those four teams one time. But then 15, you still have – what is that? Is that Brady Bramlett? Trent, Trent Bramlett and then Sam Smith kind of. And at the end of the year, it was Weathersby. And then at a – wasn't there a certain point where that team had to start Will Stokes at Vanderbilt? Uh, yes, Will Stokes started and then Sam Smith came in and released. That's right. I mean, and then you got to – remember, that team had Jacob Waggispack in the bullpen too. Like, they at least had some dudes. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So – Hell, I don't know. But uh, what a what a hypothetical that we sit here on April the 23rd, and this is what has uh, occupied the last 15 minutes of this podcast. But uh, it's just kind of the world that Ole Miss exists in at this point. Um, one of the notes that I had up from Saturday on kind of a halfway series note from just what you look at from this weekend, seems like Doherty at this point, as we figured out somewhat in real time, had a sore shoulder, wasn't available this weekend. Um, they lose eight to four on Saturday um, because 
uh, Dylan Cruz gets Hunter Elliott twice. But what I thought was interesting is after the fact, because I think on Friday, I want to double check this. I think the only guys they use were Revis and Braden Jones, who is actually pretty damn good in relief, or at least yeah. gave him a shot and kept them um, in the game. What Once they got down on Saturday in game two, I thought it was interesting that after Elliott left, you got three innings from Nicholas. He got to about 58 pitches. They went with Cole Tolbert and Mason Morris. And uh, Mason Morris was painting corners and uh, uh, freezing <laughs> um, Dylan Cruz, which is kind of like, holy hell, what's up with this guy? Now, he walked three dudes, but he went two innings, didn't allow a hit, a, a run. Um, and then they went to Cole Tolbert. I just – we talked about – kind of in uh last sunday where at this point in the year do you just start looking at younger dudes and figuring out what you have it felt like maybe it was just a sheer lack of options but you hadn't used um you had not used mitch morell yet it felt like mike transitioned that a little bit where it was like hey we're down what i guess that would have been before the sixth inning that have been we're down seven runs then you're down four like let's see what the younger guys have. I mean, honestly, I'd forgotten Cole Tolbert and Mason Morris were on the roster to that point, and it at least kind of gave them a shot to see what they could do. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, no, look, I mean, you're, you're at the point with some of these cows where you just got to kind of see, can they help you next year? Um, and they, they did, um, you know, so uh, both guys had decent outings. You know, I, I think we're going to see more of that and guys like that pitch more, maybe get more swings because they need to figure out if, if there's certain guys in this roster that can help you next year or not. And we danced around this conversation to, uh, at the beginning. We talked about this right before we started recording. This is the type of year – you were already going to lose a bunch from your uh, lineup uh, with the way that it shook out with what you got. Gonzalez, Alderman, Harris, all likely gone. You would think that uh, Clarko's gone. Is Leger gone? No. I don't know. That'll be an interesting one. They'll certainly want him back. Groff, no, Groff didn't have another year, does he? I don't believe so. Or maybe um, he does, but but he's going pro if he does. Yeah, and so but point being is in a year you already figured that you would lose a decent bit. This is the type of disastrous season where beyond just, hey, what do you replace, you know, one through nine in the lineup? This is where you see a lot of just program roster one through 35 or whatever the hell it is, attrition in general. Don't like I, I figured we we will see a lot more of that than we've been accustomed to seeing with Mike Bianco teams. I, this feels like they need a really kind of top to bottom roster overhaul. Yeah, no, and look, they they got to get players, man. 
um, that you're losing a lot and what you're not losing is, is not very good outside of, you know, Leger's been um, pretty consistent for, for the last few weeks, I guess. Um, yeah, no, look, they, they, they've got to go get dudes. And, you know, I don't know how all that works nowadays with, with NIL money and, and, you know, the 11.7 that you're on, but you're, you're losing a good bit, um, especially on the offensive side of the baseball. And uh, you got to go get, you got to go get players, man. They, that, that, like, we can do all this, you know, I don't look, people can complain about Mike putting, leaving Rivas in too long or, you know, not going to Morrell or whatever last Sunday. But at the end of the day, the players aren't good enough. And at some point that, that, that's your biggest coaching problem is that your team isn't currently talented enough. And that that's the issue that they've got to go get fixed. It's a lot easier to coach and to manage when your team is really good um, because mistakes aren't as glaring. So, you know, it's, it, it, that's just the reality of the situation for me. They've got to go get dudes. They got to go get talent out of the portal. Um, and if they don't, they're not going to be very good. But but I think that they're uh, they're aware of that, and I think they're going to make sure that that they get a lot of or, or get a you know a plethora of, of good players next year. And I guess that's kind of as as you enter that phase and of the conversation about what this team needs to do. This will probably be fairly telling about what like this offseason will be somewhat telling about what kind of like how Ole Miss's NIL will impact college baseball, right? Because you're still dealing with the 11.7, but like who can you actually attract in the portal and will they have a little bit more freedom than maybe you'd be accustomed to them having in years past when NIL wasn't in the picture? Like I'm very curious to see what that looks like. Like who can they actually go get like how much, uh, you know, talent can they acquire and overturn this roster and what factor NIL plays with that? Because I just felt like, you know, NIL has been pretty new, College baseball has not really been at the forefront of the conversation, but like, and you returned a decent bit from this the national championship team this past year. This feels like the first year where it's kind of like, all right, what can they actually offer a kid from an NIL standpoint? How would that, I say, bridge the gap between, say, Ole Miss and a Vanderbilt in the typical 11.7 versus however many scholarship Vanderbilt gets? <laughs> no, that's a really good point. Um, really, really good point. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I kind of feel like this is the first year where we're really going to see, you know, I know LSU kind of took advantage of it last year, but um, going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out with, with the money and the 11.7 and how they, you know, um, correlate each other. Yeah. I'm uh, fascinated to see it. I don't really have much, any other notes um, from the weekend to a uh, pretty good crowd on Saturday. It was a great day for uh baseball and then uh it was seemed like a nice a pretty decent overlap because i think that first show that concert started at 5 30 so you're not a morgan wallen guy i'm not really either i don't dislike the guy by any means like i'm not gonna like make fun of like country music or whatever it's just not really my thing so i was never gonna go to the concert but my god man the amount of people here this weekend just felt like an alabama football weekend i mean th this was unbelievable the amount of people in and out for this thing and honestly I can't call it – I think the youth call this FOMO. I couldn't escape the concert on social media. I don't think I had fear of missing out because I was just like, yeah, I'm good. Like, it's not my thing. But it felt like every single person I knew on earth that had any sort of, like, ever overlap in my social circle from a social media standpoint was at that thing. <laughs> like, it was it was really kind of unbelievable to me. Did you experience the same thing? No. Um, and, and, you know, they're doing another concert tonight. So Yeah, it's still uh, going. Like, it, there's another yeah. one tonight. Yeah, yeah, couldn't do it. Uh, could couldn't 
couldn't make that happen. Uh, but yeah, no, the, uh, the city has been ta- overtaken by Morgan Wallen people, uh, and Morgan Wallen fans, which is good for them. Um, glad that the city is, is, is getting a boost of the economy. That's good for everybody and good for Oxford. So, uh, happy for that. Just, just not really my thing. I'm not a, and you may be, I'm not a massive music guy. I listen to like, everybody's like, what do you listen to in the car podcast? I find podcasts and I'll listen to them, um, sports or whatever. I'm, I'm just not a massive music guy. No, I, I, uh, I'm right there with you as well. I get it's, it's sports radio, some kind of podcast or something for me over music. Now, are there certain bands and certain types of music that I like, but I'm just not super hidden to the music scene in general, which is interesting. Cause like my dad is a huge, particularly like nineties grunge, like Pearl Jam and all that is like a huge music guy and very much appreciates the history of it. And I like, I enjoy like reading about bands and stuff and how they came together and kind of the stories behind them. But I'm not just like super into the lyrics and just certain types of music in general. And I, I don't really know why that's the case. It's just not really my thing. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think, feel like we're one in the same in that point. Like I don't, I don't hate music by any means. I don't necessarily even really hate country music. There's some that seems cringeworthy and some that seems pretty good. Like I'll put it to you this way. I've heard some of Morgan Wallen's songs. I was like, Oh, I could like, this is kind of like, he's got a good voice. Like the lyrics seem kind of like they seem quality. It, it, it's a far cry from like your Luke Bryan type country. So like I've listened to a couple of his songs and been like, Hey, this is not bad stuff, but am I going to go spend money on a concert ticket? Probably not. Cause that's just not really my thing. Does that makes any sense? Yes. Yes. No. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm not a big concert guy anyways. Not a big concert guy anyways. I've been to some shows that I very much enjoyed. Like I mentioned my dad being a pretty big music guy. I've seen Pearl Jam once and Eddie Vedder by himself once, both in Memphis. And both of those are really cool. Like I left, I was like, I'm really glad I went to that. That was an incredible time. But one of them was at like the Orpheum in Memphis, where it's kind of like an opera style theater. So we're just sitting down and like watching him play instruments. The other one was at FedEx Forum. And we, I, I mean, it's not that different from Vault Hemingway, but we had like a chair back seat up. Um, and I know that's similar to most concerts. I guess my point being is, I don't know what breed of citizen is able to go down into the pit of a concert at this point, but that honestly gives me the heebie-jeebies to like think about. That that that's where I was going to land the plane on that one. I don't know how people get into crowds like that anymore. That's just not my thing. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, uh, no, and and it's like we were talking about before the uh before the uh pod, like man, I couldn't like on a crowded football weekend, I'm not going to the library. Like you're you're not gonna see me out there. Um uh, just uh just just I, I i'm 29 i can't do crowds anymore it gives me the uh gives me the scaries so like football weekends now if you're not doing crowds what are you doing on Ole miss football weekend uh, i mean i i can go to the game and i can go to the grove i'm not going to the square i'm going back to the the condo i stay at and, and watching football with with the seven or eight people that are there um not doing crowds and maybe you know sometimes that that number turns into 15 or 16 that's fine but i am not going to stand shoulder to shoulder in the library at funky's yeah i've gotten actually that way and really the first couple times i visited when i moved to dallas for football games the year i guess that would really just been 2021 because the first year i was out there was covid i was kind of the same way i was like oh man i'm not sure actually this is actually a ton of fun with these crowds and it was interesting the first year i lived here for a football season in a while um, I mostly avoided the square like the plague 
Uh, like my buddy Portner came in town one weekend and we got a res- we got a late dinner reservation, I think at like snack bar or something. And that was his wife came in and that was a, a ton of fun. But like I remember there were like two football weeks in a row where I had not like hit the square once the sun went down. And I was like that that was by design. <laughs> I was perfectly yeah. content with that decision making. And I, does that make us old? <laughs> I think that does make us old when we're like yeah, no, I'd rather just not do the people. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not a, not, not a big fan of the people. I'd like to just stay in my own lane. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that definitely, definitely makes us old. So, um, whatever. I'm 29. This, this, oh, I'm, all, I'm 30 next month. God help me. Um, so that, that actually is now making me feel real old. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, I just turned 28, but the problem is, is anyone that's like 33 and above listening to us is like these two assholes have no idea what they're talking about. Like, <laughs> you're, you're not old yet, <laughs> which I get it, but I just, I'm out on the crowds at this point in my life. What's uh, let's take a look around the sec before we get out of here. Um, kind of a wild weekend. I guess we'll start, um, in Columbia, South Carolina, where, uh, the Gamecocks are good. Uh, they sweep Florida this weekend. Uh, they got something going on there. Look, if Ole Miss had somehow found a way to take a game, or God forbid, you know, two games against LSU, you might have some contention about who the number one team in the country is next week. They, uh, what an impressive statement by the Gamecocks. Yeah, they're really good. Kingston's done a really, really good job. Um, so yeah, no, he certainly saved his job. You know, um. Yeah, no, good good weekend for the Gamecocks. It's a good ball club. They've, they've done a really good job of uh, manufacturing runs and, and putting that team together. Yeah. And they, was, without a weekend starter, if I'm not mistaken, one of their weekend guys didn't throw this weekend. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't think it was Will Sanders because I watched him pitch. Um, it was one of those other kids, and so good on them. Um, on The other sweep of the weekend was uh, – do you have any comment on Tennessee? Uh <laughs> Nope. What they do this weekend? I know what they did. Don't tell me. They swept to get to eight and ten. Um, which honestly, in all seriousness, is a huge thing for them because Vanderbilt has been playing really good baseball. Hell, Vanderbilt was 13 and two. Talk yeah. about a back. I mean, look, I I hate giving Tony Patello credit for anything because it almost ruins our podcast bit at this point. Um, I saw a guy who listens to our podcast in the library and he just like pointed at the TV and was like, Those guys invented baseball. I was like, Hell yeah, they did, man. Uh, <laughs> you talk about <laughs> my mom was like looking around and was like, What was that? I was like, Nothing. Um, you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, in all seriousness, talk about a back against the wall weekend. Tennessee had yeah. a little bit of a rough year. They were five and 10. And to Vanderbilt have been kind of machine to sweep them. I mean, that changes the outlook of their whole season. So, you know, congrats to the founding fathers, I guess. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good to see that that it's looking more and more likely that the two teams that invented baseball may make the postseason. That is true. Wait, who's the – oh, yeah, <laughs> Mississippi State. <laughs> um, so, good on them. Um, what do you have? Yeah, Georgia, I believe, take a series from uh, Arkansas. Take a series, buddy. They swept it. Oh, they did sweep it. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah they uh, they hit a, a granny and a walk-off in the bottom of the ninth in game three yesterday. And, uh, yeah, they swept the Hogs. The Hogs are beat up pretty bad, like injured-wise. Yeah, they, they are. And that's probably a weekend, I mean, with them getting swept. And I know the West was at least a little bit in question and a little bit of a conversation. Yeah, probably point. does. L- yeah, now LSU feels like they're very much in the driver's seat. They're two games up with the tiebreaker. Yeah, that feels – fairly important um but it was just funny because before this weekend hit 
you know, you were the kind of, I would say, feel like the most rational, I say rational, the most Pollyanna Ole Miss fan was like, well, if you can get one or two this weekend and sweep Georgia, well, Georgia swept Arkansas, buddy, and Ole Miss's next series win will be their first one of the year. Like, I didn't figure out that was ever going to happen, and I felt like the Georgia sweep this weekend was a little bit of proof of, yeah, no shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, not going to happen. Maybe they get two. I don't know. I probably don't see that either. I don't really see that one uh, either. What a uh, what a, I did I paid zero attention to. Oh, Alabama went and uh, swept on the road against Missouri. So Very that sweet. Mizzou, they just they they won three games against Tennessee the first weekend, and then they're like, "We're good. Our season, we 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 everything we've wanted to accomplish is is we're we're good." Um, look, I don't know the intricacies of Missouri baseball. They gonna make a change because, like, I get it. They don't care. But at some point, don't you, like, have to make the tournament or something? Like, don't you at least have to put on a good show at some point? And it's been a while now at this point since they've gotten close. Yeah, 19. So they've gone, what, 21, 22, 23? Not even really been close? I don't know. Right, because 19 was that year Mike kind of stumped for them. In yeah. Like, like, indirectly in Hoover. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. like, I, I don't know. I mean <laughs> – what? Who's your hot board for Mizzou baseball? Be I mean, it's a good question, but it's an SEC job that pays probably. I'm assuming at least half a million dollars. You can get somebody. That is. I mean, true. Tony Vitello. This is no joke. When they hired Beezer, Tony Vitello wanted the job, so you can get somebody. Yeah. So I, that would leave me without without knowing anything about the situation. That my answer would, I guess, be yes. Um, A and M's turned it around a bit. They went and uh, won a series. At Kentucky, which Kentucky feels like they made uh, their hay very early in the season and are now just trying to hold on for dear life. But I believe that is three SEC series wins in a row for Texas A&M. So they're actually – they might be okay. They're 9-9 nine and nine in the league at this point. But a good weekend for them against the Kentucky team is pretty good. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Um, no, it's – it's that, that's two, what, or NCAA tournament teams. Kentucky with the outside shot to host. No, it's just just a just two two good teams going at it. Uh AM comes back in game two of the doubleheader on Saturday and wins it. AM's playing pretty good baseball right now. That they are. And I guess Mississippi State, you know, until the um end of the game today. Did you see this game today? So state state loses a two to one game on Friday. They win a wild one on Saturday, 11 10. And then I think if I'm have this correct, did they get up? Seven to nothing. They were up nine to three at some point. Nine to three, and it was seven to nothing after three innings. They lost twelve to eleven today. Wait, the Bulldogs lost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Auburn scored my day. That's I thought they won. Auburn scored four in the sixth, one in the seventh, three in the eighth, one in the ninth to walk it off and win uh, twelve to eleven. Hi, War Eagle, buddy. Uh yeah, talk about. I mean, that's kind of a. Do you talk about two pivotal moments in the season for both teams? Auburn gets off to the terrible start, not so fast. Now they're seven and eleven, and State now falls to six and twelve after what could have been, should have been three straight SEC series wins for them, with two of them on the road. That's yeah. tough. Yeah, that's not great. And your path to the postseason becomes a lot tougher now at six and twelve. I don't know off the top of my head who they have left. I guess. Oh, I, um, I do. Uh, they have they they have the Tigers of LSU, um, they have the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, oh. They go to Knoxville next weekend, and then they uh, they get A and M. 
to so. close the year. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say they don't make the NCAA tournament. All right. I'm going to ask because let's just go there. Um, they were abysmal, right, at the beginning of the year, one and one and five, and then when, what, two two series in a row against an Alabama team that's decent and a terrible Ole Miss team. Lose this series to Auburn. Is there a difference if you're talking about a coaching change in 10 and 20 and 5 and 25? You know what I mean? Like, you still miss the NCAA tournament. So, I guess, I guess my question is they were ready to run dude off. And I'm not saying they should. I have no opinion on this. But they were ready to run the guy off, you know, at the beginning of the year. Um, does him winning a couple of games but still missing the NCAA tournament matter from that perspective or not? Man, I, I that's a great question. I, I don't know the answer to it because – I mean, look, if they'd have somehow lost a series to Ole Miss, I mean, I I don't want to play into the whole where all all state cares about is Ole Miss type of thing. That's not really what I'm trying to do with this. But that would have mattered a ton. Like that would have that would have felt like the final nail in the coffin for him. He finds a way to win the series against what appears to be a you know pretty horrendous Ole Miss team. And then if you go 10 and 20, like my guess is is that's probably enough for him to do fire. You know, Foxhall, I, I don't know. Do you, do you keep Gotro? Like, I, I don't know. It just feels like staff turnover and you get one more bite at the apple. But I can't say that with any certainty. Like, what do you think happens? My guess is, is he's back next year. Just a guess. But I, if they canned him, it would be unprecedented, but it also wouldn't be shocking. Mm, yeah. No, I, I don't know. I just – I wonder what you know. They were ready to fire him earlier in the year. I'm not. I'm not crazy about that, right? Like they, there were fans clamoring for an in-season move. It became a um, real conversation that did not feel ridiculous. Yeah. So like, what's what has changed? You know what I mean? Like, okay, like he won some games. He beat bad Ole Miss team, a decent Alabama team. Um, now they look. They they've still got a chance to make the NCAA tournament without a doubt. But if they don't. Um, I guess the question is, is is there a difference between 12 and 18 and 8 and 22? Obviously, it's four games, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you're probably still with Ole Miss watching the tournament come June. Right. So that's going to be fascinating. Um, That felt like a real backbreaking series for the Bulldogs there. I think that covers everybody. Well, I just assumed they won. I shouldn't have done that. No, they uh they they lost. Uh, it was a disaster late for uh for the mighty Bulldogs. And now you've got to go to Knoxville next weekend. Who just swept Fandu? Yeah, that that's that 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 is brutal. Um, hey, you got to play Ole Miss Tuesday, and I know Ole Miss isn't good, but like you got to get back up for that. Yeah, no, and uh, if the game happens, hopefully they got the field situation under control. <laughs> <laughs> We uh, we shall see. Um, all right, that's everything I got for you, dude. I I I reckon we might holler at you next Sunday. We'll kind of play off the spy ears. The rebels continue to drop. But I appreciate the time as always, my man. We'll holler at you next week. All right, buddy. Sounds good. All right, that's gonna do it for our show today. Thanks for listening. As always, got some great stuff for you down the pipe. Some NFL draft stuff. Some other uh, content down the road. Looking forward to a couple interviews this week. So we'll have you covered. Even though baseball season's kind of a bummer, I promise. Uh, thank you for listening to the show as always, and we'll catch you again here in a couple of days. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.